Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, we are fresh off of LSU winning the SEC championship, beating uh, UGA, the Bulldogs, 37-10, to uh, capturing their first SEC title since 2011 and moving to 13-0 and on the season, which I think is the first time they've ever done that. Uh, a lot to get into this game. What else happened in the other uh, conference championship games? It kind of sets off the playoffs, which LSU came in at number one, so we'll definitely get into that too. Uh, but first, if somehow you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so at TalkinTigs, no G in Talkin', and we're also at the uh, Talkin' Tigs podcast on Facebook. And you can also find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh, before we get into all of this, I want to check in with my co-host, uh, see how you guys are doing, and see if you are still soaking up this win and what it means uh, in everything going forward. So, uh, yeah, guys, talk to me. Uh, how goes it? Doing great. Uh, had an amazing day yesterday watching LSU take down yet another win. You line them up, we knock them down. And so now we're rolling on to the playoffs. This is something that we considered as maybe a possibility before the season, but a pretty lofty goal, and now it's a reality. So everything we ever could have dreamed of, and we've got our matchup versus Oklahoma all set up. We'll get into that in the next couple of weeks. But had a great day. Scott, I know you were at College Game Day in Atlanta, so we'll need to hear what went down there. But just a great win for the Tigers as we throttled those Bulldogs. Yeah, I mean, just another great day. This week, I mean, this this season has just been magical, and and this uh, this week, this matchup against Georgia really, uh, you know, was in line with everything we've watched. And after four quarters of play in Atlanta, I mean, LSU just uh, LSU won the uh, SEC, and we're the champions of the SEC. So, what more can you ask for? And uh, yeah, so Scott, you got to be there, and we'd love to hear about what it was like in Atlanta. Sure, but uh, just to, to answer your question really quickly, uh, what more could we ask for? Well, we could ask for a win on December 28th, which is when the Tigers are going to play Oklahoma back in Atlanta, where they just left and won. So it uh, should be uh, something familiar for them, too. Uh, you know, the um, uh, game day was great. You know, it's, uh, I, I, I didn't experience the same as you guys did because, you know, it was on LSU's campus, and here it was, you know, in downtown Atlanta right next to uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, I mean, it was a great setup. They had, you know, two separate areas, and I think it was a little different because, you know, there wasn't a bunch of eager college kids trying to go and support their team. Uh, it was, you know, fans from all walks of life, uh, I think mostly – mostly older, because those are the ones with, you know, they can afford to, to travel and pay for hotels and plane tickets and, and game tickets and all that. Uh, so they kind of just slowly trickled in. I didn't get there until, must have been right before they started making all their picks. And uh, I could still get fairly close. Um, you know, I could, could make my sign and, uh, you know, it was, it was a good mix of people. It was, uh, I'd say pretty evenly uh, LSU in Georgia, even though you know, Georgia was kind of the home team, if, if you want to call it that. Uh, but, it, you know, it was great. And then uh, even before that, though, uh, I, I was seeing LSU fans in town, you know, as early as Thursday and just, you know, just 
taken over. There were people at the airports. I actually went and dropped someone off and picked someone up, and you know I could see purple and gold, trying you know getting in and out of uh, lifts and Ubers and taxis. And uh, I thought I saw the team at once because they had all these uh, these big huge you know tour buses. But I think you know Dr Pepper was using like six of them to just ferry people back and forth. Uh, to you know, to the to the events from the from the airports. But anyway, uh, it, you know, it was a great environment, and like I said, LSU was well represented, and they were they were more vocal during you know the game day festivities. They just started breaking out into LSU chants on their own. Uh, it was it was interesting. The I only saw the LSU cheerleaders, and they were lined up right behind the stage, you know, with that that uh, that kind of netting that they have. And uh, I only saw LSU's cheerleaders, so I don't know if Georgia just decided not to participate or if they just did it in shifts or whatever, but uh, LSU was there last, so we got the announcement. Corso put on the head, and that's, uh, that's pretty much all she wrote. And then I actually headed over to the, uh, the team hotel and was able to find my way to, to where they were right before they were going to go to the stadium. They were having, you know, I think a... Not not necessarily position meetings, but you know, offensive and defensive meetings, and then like a big team meeting, and then right after that, that's when they headed to the stadium. So uh, I was lucky to kind of catch them right before that, and yeah, they there were some people around. You know, you couldn't get too close. They had some some uh, sconces up, but you know, they they looked pretty focused. Uh, the offense did anyway. They they looked like they were there for business, and you know, that's how they played. Uh, so yeah, that was that, and you know, so and we got to the put play. that video up on uh, up on Twitter. So uh, if yeah. you're following, you know, if you want to go see the video of, uh, of the team walking out, we put it up. So uh, that was cool for you to get that footage. Yeah, That's I know. Cool. It's talking about content. Yeah, right place at the right time, man. You just gotta you gotta know where to go and sniff those things out and just be ready. Uh, I, I would love to have talked to you know some of those guys, but uh, I know it being game day and all that they they. You know, they had very little time in between to... I don't think they would have stopped and talked, or maybe they were... You know, they probably were told not to. Uh, I don't know. But um, I was really looking for Jacob Hester. I wanted to talk to him. I almost... I was going to get Kevin Falk, but he was on his phone. Uh, but, you know, it was just cool to, to see these guys lining up and getting ready for battle. But, um, yeah, hopefully I can uh, I can do it again when they're, when they're here, since they're going to be here in a few weeks. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But... Um, how about that game, huh? Whew. Well, that was the, that was like the main event, and I mean, it was a, it was a, a complete performance. I think anything that uh, any questions that the committee had were uh, were answered last night in LSU's uh, decisive win against Georgia. So I guess as normal, we'll start off with the offense. So I guess uh, Dana, what do you think? Offense. Well, obviously we we ran it back in last week's podcast, but we're facing off against this vaunted Georgia Bulldog defense. And they actually did okay, holding us to only 37 points, which is a bit of a a meager margin for some of our past games, but still enough to to really thrash them. You could see we were definitely the better team on offense. Our uh, passing game was efficient. Joe, with over 300 yards and four TDs, no picks, did his thing, did his Heisman-worthy thing. Uh, We'll see whether he collects that in this upcoming week here. Obviously, hopefully so. Uh, Our rushing attack wasn't off the charts. Um, Clyde was kind of bottled up a little bit, but I guess if they're focusing in on him, then it opens up 
for us down the sidelines, then everything's just as well. Uh, Joe Burrow actually had a few nice runs to keep drives going, which is good to see. Kind of harken back to last year's game against Georgia when he had that big like run, like 50-yard run down the sideline that really busted that game open. So uh, he was still doing his thing again. And, yeah, the the receiving core, Jefferson, uh, Terrace Marshall, and Jamar Chase all coming up big. So very good to see just everybody clicking like they should. Yeah, and I would actually say uh, Joe Burrow did run well, but, I mean, you would think, you know, what else, what hasn't he done? Well, he did it yesterday. He, he actually threw a pass to himself. Uh, yes. I know it probably looks like the defensive lineman put his hand up, but I, I think Joe anticipated that and said, what haven't I done this year? So he caught a tip ball and ran it for, like, I don't know, 15, 18 yards for a first down. Uh, to me, that was you know, you could say, wow, that, that was a Heisman moment right there because that's, that's pretty much what happened with Johnny Manziel when he was playing at Alabama. He mm-hmm. had a tip ball, caught it, and then he threw for a touchdown. And they said, wow, okay, this kid's for real. Uh, but, you know, I think most would say it was later in the game when he was scrambling and he was juking and jiving in the backfield, and then he rolled to the right and he hit Justin Jefferson for like a 70-yard gain. Uh, you could say that's the, the uh, you know, essential Heisman moment, but... Yeah, that was just I amazing. Know. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but, you know, in addition to all that, uh, you know, with LSU showing the committee what they needed to see, um, you know, other teams did too, which I think kind of played into their final decision, and we can get to that in a little bit, because we, you know, they had all those other conference championship games to get to. Uh, but yeah, the offense looked great, and I would say, you know, Georgia did, did have a good defense. I mean, LSU only had 17 points in the first half. I think, you know, maybe maybe the Auburn game was the only other time where it was where it was that, that low. Um, and but they they held Georgia though, uh, so kudos to the defense. Um, yeah, I mean Clyde edwards hilaire didn't get that many yards. Uh, I think uh, I mean he had more catching yards, receiving yards than rushing yards. But you know it doesn't matter. Uh, LSU looked solid and they. You know, they took care of business. They moved the ball at will, and their defense showed up in a huge way. Um, so, yeah, uh, shifting right into that, uh, I think uh, the questions were answered about their defense, right? And you could say maybe that kind of helped the uh, the committee with their decision because of these last two games. Um, but what uh, – I don't know. Tommy, do you think this was – LSU finally putting the pieces together, maybe just a Georgia offense that was kind of limping to the finish, it's, as some have said, or or both. What, what do you say? I think I think maybe a little bit of both, but so, you know Georgia's offense is by no means the best we'll see. Um, you know the best offense we might see uh, is, is going to come in the next you know week or two, either with Oklahoma being a really good offense, or you know or Clemson, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State. But, uh, you know, we're still, we still had incredible pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Grant Delpit played incredible. Derek Stingley, the true freshman, he's 18 years old and has two, two nasty interceptions. I mean, the, the, and those are defensive performances uh, that aren't indicative of, a, of bad opponents. You know what I mean? Drake, Jake Fromm is by no means a bad quarterback, but, uh, but Stingley was able to pick him off twice. So, 
you know, I think that I think that our defense has really, really uh, shown improvement over the past two weeks, and um, you know that might have been the extra the extra edge that got us and pushed us over the top to number one. Um, and and I think that you know a defensive performances like the past two games uh, is what we're going to need to compete in. Uh, maybe not this upcoming playoff game, just because of the way that uh, Oklahoma plays ball, but. If we make it to, if we're so lucky as to make it and make it to New Orleans, and we're playing for a championship, uh, you know we're going to need a performance like that out of our out of our uh, defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. What do you say? Uh, what do you say, Daniel? Yeah, I'm backing up everything that Tommy said. It was a pretty complete performance, uh, both from the D line and the secondary. We had said that they were really coming into their own a couple weeks ago uh, after the Arkansas game, and then again. Uh, last week against Texas A&M, where Dave Aranda had his schemes, his substitutions figured out, as well as we were healthy. And I'm pretty sure Gary Danielson said that almost exact same thing in the second half. And then that's just all we needed to put everything together. And, yeah, we absolutely disrupted Georgia's game plan. Uh, DeAndre Swift, their stud running back, finished with two carries for 13 yards, which is pretty crazy that they only gave him the ball twice and their whole rushing attack was 61 yards. So they have four- and five-star running backs that couldn't get anywhere. And the thing that forced them to do was our offense was playing so well that they were playing from behind, which forces Jake Thrum to take shots down the field, make throws he's not really comfortable with. And that showed off there uh, going 20-42 of with two picks, Derek Stingley coming up huge. I actually saw in uh, one article today – that Derek Stingley has this little kind of note to himself in his car, and it has, like, his, his goals both in, in football and in life. But the, the two that it noted was, one, he wanted to become a Thorpe Award finalist for nation's top defensive back, which he did not achieve. Grant Delpit uh, kind of took that from him this year, but he's still got two years to achieve that. And also lead the SEC in interceptions in the season. And with his two picks yesterday, he moved into the sole lead for SEC leader, so he can check that one off his list. But he'll just be so special to watch in the next couple of years, as well as everybody else that we've got. So just really a, a complete performance. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good to have goals. Uh, I mean, good for him. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, that he wouldn't be, you know, on the freshman All America team also. And um, yeah, having said that, just an overall great, great performance by the defense. I mean, UGA, you know, they weren't the greatest, but they were no so they were no slouch. And uh, I think it, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to make excuses for Georgia, but, you know, they were without some guys. I know DeAndre Swift probably wasn't 100%, and they didn't get George Pickens until the second half. And he, you know, he, he kind of made his presence felt a little bit. I mean, he had four receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown. So I don't know if the first half would have been that much different, but, I, you know, it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to change the outcome of the game. LSU was ready for this one. Hands down, the defense had him on lock. Hopefully they will on the on the 28th too. But you know they've got some time to prepare for that, and um, I don't think there are any injuries to anything. I, I know some guys went down, but um, hopefully nothing too serious, right? I, I mean, yeah, I'm, there were some scares. Uh, Tyler Shelvin went out, then uh, Apu Aika went out, and Clyde Bertillaire, uh kind of limped off the field towards yeah. the end of the game. But I think everyone's okay. I haven't seen anything that says mm-hmm. says they're not. Plus, right. you got two weeks. True. True. And, you know, as far as special teams, not too much to report there. I thought, you know, Cade York did well. He went three for four. Uh, he had a long of 50 in, you know, in a conference championship game. So 
Uh, I think the guy's pretty much rock solid. Yeah, I think LSU is uh, it's firing on all cylinders, and any of this talk of you know them not being a complete team, I think kind of kind of go to the wayside now after this game against Georgia and well, I mean the last two games really, but especially this last game against Georgia. Uh, so yeah, looking forward. Uh, that I think that's what helped get them the you know the first seed in the playoff, uh, much to everyone else's uh, you know behest, chagrin, complaints, whatever. I think Ryan Day and Dabo Swinney are probably still whining to somebody as we speak, but you know what's done is done. Uh, the Tigers are the first seed. We're going to play Oklahoma on December 28th. I think it's going to be a good matchup. Um, what do you? Uh, I don't know. Let's start with you, Daniel. What do you think? Uh, what, what do you think the matchup is going to be like? Because Oklahoma, you know, they had I'd say probably their two toughest games were against the same team. Uh, I mean, I know they lost once to Kansas State, but, uh, you know, you could just say that's a fluke. Um, everyone has one of those games. Luckily, LSU didn't this year. Neither did the other three, you know, the top three. But I think their toughest two games were against Baylor. And, you know, I could uh, you could probably put either one in at this point, Baylor or Oklahoma, against LSU, and you're probably getting, you know, the same competition. So what do you uh, – how do you think LSU matches up against Oklahoma? Yeah, so Oklahoma came out of this weekend – pretty blessed. They got the road paved for them with uh, Oregon taking down Utah and then us beating Georgia, obviously. It really kind of left them as the last team standing as long as they could close out Baylor, which they, they did in overtime for the second time this year, which is pretty crazy that they played the same team twice and both games went to overtime. Uh, but one thing that shows you is they're not really that much better than Baylor. And then is LSU better than both of those teams? I would say so, yes, because they were number one. Oklahoma is good. They, they've only lost one game, but it was to Kansas State, and uh, we just don't lose those type of games. So I think we have the edge, although they do have some really good weapons, especially on offense. Jalen Hurts obviously knows how to win a national championship with Alabama, and he's on the revenge tour right now, as well as CeeDee Lamb out wide. He's their number one wide receiver, and he's made some uh, some highlight reel plays this year if you go back and watch that. And then uh, – they lost their starting running back. Um, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, Trey Sermon uh, early in the season to injury, but they got a good backup, Kennedy Brooks, who's been carrying them on the ground. So this will be the best offense that we've seen since Alabama. So Dave Randall will have to kind of go watch some film, plan for that. But I think we do match up well against them. Their defense was last in the nation last year, which is the big knock against them. They kind of turned it around this year. I think there's they're not great, but I think they're like 40th in the country or something, kind of in our range a little bit, to be honest. But, yeah, so we can definitely expose them like we did Georgia. So I think we kind of win in a bit of a shootout. Uh, Tommy, do you have anything else besides that? Um, I think that I think that our defense is is actually considerably better than theirs. Um, I think it will be. Just, just you know, the, uh, judging on the trend we're on right now. You know, maybe if we are playing defense – if we play defense the way we played against Ole Miss, we might have some trouble – but if we can play, you know, half as good as the way we played against A&M or, uh, or Georgia last night, then I think we'll be A-OK. Uh, one thing that I think is a good, uh, a good thing for us is, you know, this game I feel like should be a, uh, a pretty, I'm not going to say easy game, but a, a definitely a, 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 an easier game than the other side of the bracket is. Uh, and playing against Jalen Hurts will be a good warm-up for 
play, you know, the top-level quarterbacks that we'll play against, you know, either a more mobile guy like Justin Fields or, you know, that deadly pocket passer, Trevor Lawrence. So, um, you know, I'm happy to be on, I'm happy to be in Atlanta and not in Arizona um, for the first playoff game. And I think we'll be able to handle the Sooners pretty easily. I would agree. Um, I, I didn't get to watch too much of the Oklahoma Baylor game, but I do know that uh, Baylor was down to its third string quarterback at some point, and this guy came in. And he looks good. His first two, yeah, his first two passes, he got like a hundred yards. Yeah, he threw two bomb touchdowns like right off the start. I was like, oh boy. Yeah, um, that was crazy. Were, and, you know, Hertz, he you know, he did okay. He was 17 to 24, 287 yards, one TD, one pick. So I, I guess that's what stands out to me. And you could say, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's it's their stiffest competition this year. But what I've noticed is with not just you know Oklahoma but Ohio State as well is you know, these these guys don't have much ball security. Uh, you know, that's something LSU's been really good at is not giving the ball away. Uh, but against Baylor. You know, both games there they were multiple. You know, he threw a pick. They they uh, Hertz had a fumble. C.D. Lamb had a fumble. Um, so I I would I'm not going to downplay Oklahoma's offense because I know they can be explosive. But um, I just don't think that they're going to you know face face a defense like LSU has had. And that's you know I don't think at the beginning you know three or four games in we would have been saying that, but we can now. And I think if, you know, if someone just locks down CeeDee Lamb, then, you know, what's, I, I don't know if Hurts is going to have, uh, have the ability to, to win this game. Uh, I mean, he could certainly beat you with his, with his legs, but I, I, just, I don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, Baylor, um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of them because of their schedule. You know, their two toughest games were against Oklahoma, but they lost them both. So uh, I, I don't know how to, how to really give that much credence. Yeah, but, one note. Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. One note I had on Oklahoma is that their like big linebacker Kenneth Murray, who was kind of like their Devin White, basically their just kind of defensive leader, went down with an injury, uh, a midsection injury in the, the second half, and didn't return in the game. So he walked off on his own power, so it doesn't seem to be too serious, and he's got three weeks to recover. But that will just be something to kind of monitor if you're a Tiger fan. Uh, we know, like, what happened last year against Alabama when we didn't have our leader with Devin White. So they could be uh, kind of down a little bit there. And then so to see if he comes back. Uh, but, yeah, go back to what you are saying. Sorry. Yeah, No, that was that was basically it. But, you know, that that definitely matters. That's, that's what I was going to say is I don't know that, uh, you know, Oklahoma's defense is going to be able to slow LSU down because just looking at what happened with uh, – not just Georgia, but, you know, Alabama as well. I, we could say Auburn was probably the best defense we faced, but I, I, I don't really know. It was just a low-scoring game. Um, and I don't think that Oklahoma has – I don't think they're going to be able to, to slow LSU down enough, and for that same reason, I don't think Oklahoma's going to be able to score enough to keep up, kind of like Georgia. So I just I don't know if anyone's going to be able to stop LSU this year. Maybe next year, after they have a year of tape to go through, it, it'll be different. But, you know, we won't have Joe Burrow at that point. But just to keep it focused, um, yeah, so we, could, we can dive more into uh, the Oklahoma matchup since we have weeks to prepare for that. And I don't know, you know, there could be some, some people coming back off of injury slash suspension early. Who knows? Or, you know, 
and God forbid something happened practice up until then. So we'll we'll kind of play that by ear. But uh, I know it was kind of up late. It was almost like a Pac-12 after dark game. But did you see this Ohio State Wisconsin game? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I I, <laughs> I was starting to think of the different scenarios after it was twenty-one to seven at half. Oh, me uh, and Dana were. I don't know about you. Were you worried? We were, I, no, I wasn't worried about anything. I was just thinking, oh my God, is 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 Ohio is is Wisconsin really gonna run away with this to the point that maybe LSU does play Ohio State, but Ohio State's number four. I, I mean, that's I what we Wisconsin were worried about. We were like, oh no, we we wanted one so bad, we wanted to have an easy game, an easy game one v four, and then we were like, oh now we're gonna get Ohio State as the four seed. Right. But luckily that didn't happen. Right. But uh, I mean, Ohio. The Ohio State nation still feels like because of this come-from-behind victory that it just further establishes that they're the most complete team in the nation, which I just I don't get it. They're deluding themselves. I, I, I just don't understand. Well, no, Scott, you don't understand. Joel Klatt told me that they fought through adversity and showed that they have the grit and determination of a real Big 12 team to, uh, to almost lose to uh to Wisconsin. See that that's what that's what the number one team in the nation does. Ah, well, I'm glad Joel Klatt was able to rationalize that out for us. Tell me how to air out that dirty laundry. <laughs> right. Actually, Joel Klatt did. I think he did post. He he's like recanted now. He he posted. He was like, yeah, I think that I I, I totally am okay with the with the committee's decision. They're LSU's number one now or whatever. So now I guess he's had enough. Uh, Enough stumping for the interesting thing is that you know who was you know who the color commentator was on the game last night the the Wisconsin Ohio State game Joel no. Klatt and so a lot of people have been saying that that he just uh, that that all these Fox people just stumped for the Big Twelve I mean the Big Ten because that's who they that's who all their games are right yeah it's, it's like Howard, affiliated Klatt. network. Yeah, and that and that you know it's good for them if the Big Twelve is good, then that's good for Fox, and so they want you know they want Heisman Trophy contenders, they want uh, you know playoff contenders because then that puts more eyes on on their network. So it's kind of interesting when you think about it that way. Yeah, and they kept saying, "Oh, there's three Heisman candidates on the field tonight." On the field, and I'm thinking, where? Um, I know who they're I know who they're probably talking about: Jonathan Taylor, Justin Fields, and Chase Young, but None of them look like Heisman. They had, none of them really, you know, had a Heisman-worthy game. I don't know. Maybe Taylor. He, he had 20 carries, 148 yards. Uh, well, you see, like, I don't even know if I, – like, I agree with you. I think, you know, Jonathan Taylor might be um, – I think he would probably would have been the most deserving player if you had to select a Heisman Trophy winner on that field. But I don't think that's who they're talking about. I think they're talking about J.K. Dobbins because, I, I, like, the whole time they've been saying that, well, there could be – potentially three Heisman Trophy winners on Ohio State's team because they were talking about how good J.K. Dobbins is. So, um, and, and, you know, I thought, the, the, yeah, you're right. They, nobody in that game was incredibly impressive. Um, no. But I would, say th- I would say this. If Wisconsin, let's say Wisconsin had a, uh, you know, a few years ago they had uh, Russell Wilson. If Wisconsin had somebody like Russell Wilson or just somebody to that level, Wisconsin would have ran away with that game. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, Ohio State figured them out after halftime because Ohio, uh, Wisconsin never scored again. But uh, the fact that they were up 21-7 to tells you something. And, you know, 
uh, Justin Fields, I think, got most of his stats in the second half as well. So I, I just I don't see it. If it was anybody else, you know, you know, Ohio State wouldn't have won that game. So that's probably I, I can't wait to see this Ohio State Clemson matchup. Just so both of them, you know, they can have the wine bowl and they can <laughs> just cut cheese all together. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't see how anyone on Ohio State's team after the last two or so games. You know, you know, garners a Heisman Trophy, uh, especially you know their leading candidate up until you know a couple of games ago was Chase Young, but uh, you know the guy he didn't have nary a stat in the last game, and he you know he had some tackles this game, but you know nothing what he's known for, no sacks. Well, he had a tackle for loss, but that was about it. The interesting thing also about Chase Young is uh, so I saw I saw a picture of um. On I think it was on, on Instagram, like from Elite College Football or one of these accounts I follow, and it was of of Chase Young getting triple teamed with the uh, like the tackle, the guard, and I think the center also like going on, you know, trying to push on him and get a block. And they they were saying um, that I think the caption was like, "But Chase Young didn't have any uh, didn't have any sacks yesterday," and it was because and you know they're saying, "Well, he's getting triple teamed," which is true, but. I thought Ohio State's defense was the best defense to ever play football. Don't you like why if you're if you're if you're putting three uh, three linemen on on a on one, on one single defensive lineman, shouldn't one of your other uh, defensive linemen be able just be you know running away untouched to the quarterback? And that yes. never really happened. I don't I don't recall that uh, that quarterback just getting blown up whenever they tried to double and triple team Chase Young. He had plenty of time to throw. He was he he completed a lot of great passes, and he kind of was the leader in that game. I know Jonathan Taylor is, you know, the, the, the star of the Wisconsin team, but I was, I was actually impressed with, uh, with that quarterback. Yeah, Cone, he looked good under pressure. Uh, I mean, they, they eventually got to him, and he became ineffective in the second half. But, yeah, um, if you got three guys on Chase Young, it's simple math that other people should be rushing and getting to him. Uh, there were times, though, that Cone got it out at the very last second. And, you know, he had some good receivers himself. So uh, they they were able to move the ball that way. Uh, we're talking like one second or a half second late, though. Um, otherwise, uh, I don't know. But but still, there's there's no excuse to, uh, to be down that quick to somebody that you've already beaten and that you were, I don't know, I think they were like 11 or 12 point favorites, something like that. It was double digits, you know. So uh, there's no excuse for Ohio State to be down two touchdowns at halftime to uh, you know a team they already beat. So uh, I think all those arguments went out the window, and the committee said, "All right, well, I guess we can't argue our way out of this one." Um, but you know, I, I think uh, Ohio State, like you said earlier, they you know they may have some uh, some grudge about that, so they they'll probably carry that with them against Clemson. But I don't know I think Clemson has their own grudge, and uh, I think that's why. Dabo Swinney decided to run up the score in the ACC title game up to 62, um, just you know, just because. Um, I mean, they they looked good. They looked dominant. Uh, people kept saying how Ohio State was the most dominant team, but you know, if anyone was dominant in the last half of the season, it was Clemson. Um, I just I just don't know how to you know I just don't know how to gauge them because all their wins were against you know. Uh, okay to mediocre to subpar teams. I mean, uh, you know, they played Virginia in the ACC title game. Like, no one, like, where's Virginia been the last 10 years? Nowhere. 
So I, I don't know how to gauge it. You know, I, I think they're the they're the the wild card in this whole playoff thing because they look good and everyone says how good they look, but we just don't know how really good they are because of who they've played. So, in I don't know. Am I am I wrong about that or is that pretty fair? Uh, yeah, I'm I mean, kind of. I kind of agree ahead. with that. Um, they came out and blasted Virginia yesterday, winning by 45 points, which was, I mean, I would expect them to win big, and they just won even bigger than that. But like you said, they're kind of the unknown commodity because they win big, but their schedule they play is like, I mean, Pop Warner-esque. Um, there, there's <laughs> no no Titans they're taking down here. Uh, no lethality. At no, all. Dis- no disrespect to Virginia, but this is kind of what happened last year a little bit. When Clemson, I mean, they, they played the same ACC schedule, um, just kept on winning, and then went in the playoff and thrashed uh, Alabama in the championship after beating uh, Notre Dame very badly in the first round. And so hopefully the same thing doesn't happen this year. They're actually favored by a couple points, I believe, against Ohio State in the first round which, I mean, you can kind of take either side there. Both are really good teams, but they're a scary team, and that's kind of the scariest thing is that we don't know exactly how good they are because they haven't played anybody to to gauge their level of success. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I couldn't name a winner in the Ohio State-Clemson game right now, but either of those teams is formidable, and I and the rest of the Tiger Nation is happy that we kind of got blessed with Oklahoma, who was also a good team, but not just nearly on the, that caliber. So one of the two is going to be wiped out by the time we have to face the other uh, in the potential national championship game. So that's kind of what it boils down to. Yeah. What do you say, Tommy? Um, I think that I think it's clear that Clemson's had a, has a weak schedule, and everyone said it. You know, they played a couple five eight uh, public schools, and they think that they've played uh, they played you know an SEC schedule, but they just haven't. And so uh, going into this Oklahoma, I mean, this uh, Ohio State game, I actually think, uh, I think Clemson's actually a lot better than, than, um, than they're kind of given, or not necessarily given credit for, but I, I'd say despite the weak schedule, I still think that they're a, a scary team, um, especially after watching Ohio State play the way they did last night. That showed a little bit of a chink in the armor. Uh, and I think Clemson can exploit that because even though Clemson has did have that close call with North Carolina, um, I, I I mean they've really turned it on, and I have a lot more faith in Trevor Lawrence than I do in Justin Fields, uh, and you know and I think I have a lot more faith in uh, in Travis Etienne than I do in J.K. Dobbins. So I feel like uh, I feel like Clemson's the better team yeah, out of those two. Um, you know, I, I, I would get. I think they'll probably win. Maybe I'll maybe I'll change my mind on that as we get closer to the game. But uh, you know, generally, I I kind of agree with everybody that the uh, that their schedule's weak. They need to you know if they want to if they want to gain the respect that Dabo command or you know demands, then they need to uh, you know schedule some schedule some more difficult teams because the whole time and this is true for Ohio State and. Uh, and Clemson, the whole time that we were that we were at number two, and they were putting uh, Ohio State above us, you know, a lot of LSU people were saying, "All right, so you give more credit to Ohio State for for playing, uh, you know, non-conference games with Cincinnati than you do with LSU and playing Cincinnati at home than you do with LSU going on the road to Texas." Right. So, 
you know, it, at this point, like if, if you want to get that, if you want to get that respect, then you know, put it on the line and go to a and go to a uh, and play like an actual out of conference team that's that's from a good conference. Yeah, I had a couple more notes. I gave y'all some some funny stats on like the the first college playoff rankings last week, and a couple notes here. Uh, only the number two and the number four teams have ever won the college football playoff. The number one and number three have never, so I don't really know what that spells for LSU or, or Clemson. Hopefully we can break the trend here, but that's just kind of a weird quirk. Uh, the number two seed has won three times. The number four has won twice. Also, uh, Clemson has a 5-2 and two overall record in the playoff. Um, kind of, They've played by far the second most games behind Alabama, so that is one thing to note. Like Dabo's been on the stage before. He kind of knows what to do. LSU obviously has never been in it. Oklahoma is 0-3, so hopefully we can keep them winless. And then Ohio State, they won the very first one and then haven't won anything since then. But uh, So we'll just see how those historical trends play out. Not that it really means a whole lot, but it's kind of fun just to take a look at. Well, and also, sure. and Daniel, we were talking about this earlier today. Uh, it's you know LSU's won three national championships. One in 1958 against Clemson. Another in 2003 against Oklahoma, and one in 2007 against Ohio State. So we've got a chance to, uh, to you know, kind of have a rematch of, of either uh, 03 or 07. I mean, of, of, of 03 or, uh, no, of 07 or 1958. And then, of course, in 1958, uh, we beat Clemson for the national championship in New Orleans, with uh, Heisman Trophy winner Billy Cannon as the leader of the team, so it's kind of lining up. It's strange but, that it's strange that the three teams we've beaten for the national championship are the three teams in the playoff with us. I don't know, that's what, what are the? Uh, maybe you guys know a math major. I, I want to know what the odds are of that happening because it's it's got to be astronomical. Just the uh, the fact that every time LSU has played for a title in the modern era. It just happens to be in New Orleans. That too. Um, and, There's you know, no place just, like home. Yeah, yeah. And it's like um, each time I think... Uh, no, I'm sorry. The first one was uh, Tennessee, but uh, the either, or one of them was Tennessee. But every other time that LSU has played in the uh, SEC title game, I think since 2000, it's been against Georgia. Uh, of course, we're three of four out of those. But um, yeah, just the just the commonality of all of this is crazy. Um, but I, I saw somewhere that, uh, I don't know, depending on where you look, LSU is already like a 10 or 11 and a half point favorite. I think that's, I don't know, I think that's pretty accurate. That's pretty, what's the word, uh, conservative too, maybe, in some aspects. Yeah, I think, I think that, I think you'll see that number jump up. So, um, really? Did, uh, I don't know, speaking of, Tommy, I don't know if you, um, if you partook in any action this time, but I think uh, LSU was like this game or this you know against Georgia. Um, if anyone had the under, I think they they might have done okay because the they were way under what the uh, the points total were, right? Yeah, I think they covered the under, um, and LSU also covered their spread. So okay. They covered so the spread, good. but I think the the over under was a lot less than what they had it at. But yeah, they, so they covered the under. Like you can take the under as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
All right, so uh, we can we can wrap on uh, Oklahoma a little bit later. Any any other uh, any other thoughts that you guys had regarding the playoff, the title game? I want to know, uh, you know, as far as recruiting, Daniel, do you have any any hot tips on the recruiting? Because I know some guys had some uh, had some some visits this past week, or they're lining them up. Uh, do you have anything on that front? Uh, there wasn't really any like big breaking news this week. Um, Alec Bryant, who is a four-star D tackle for our 2020 class, who decommitted a couple weeks ago, we covered that. He has recommitted to the Florida Gators, so we'll uh, we'll be facing off against him in that grudge match. He probably won't play much next year, but that'll be something to keep an eye on. And then we were hyping up Zach Evans, running back, to finally commit, and he did not commit. He has postponed his commitment about a thousand times so far. And his new deadline is, I think, at the, uh, the Under Armour All-American All game. So who, who said who said he wouldn't commit this? Yeah, this Wednesday? Tommy had the right take on that. He's like this guy. He was a little bit of a diva. He enjoys the process, so he'll kind of stretch it out as long as he can. And that seems like how it's going to be. I see him coming to LSU eventually, but he's kind of dragging it out. And then the last thing is a uh, five-star quarterback, like the number one quarterback uh, for the 2021 class, Caleb Williams. I've heard has been looking strongly at LSU. Um, he's out of uh, Washington, D.C., so he hasn't made a commitment yet, and he's still obviously 2021 class, so it could be forever before he commits. But uh, he's a, a name to go watch some YouTube videos of and, and check him out because he'd be a huge asset if we could pull him down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I did see, though, that uh, Coach O wasted no time. Uh, he went, he went uh, right, pretty much straight from the uh, – the SEC championship game. He went to visit uh, Jacqueline Roy. We mm-hmm. did an in-home visit with him. So, um, yeah, there's there's no 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 rest for the weary, I guess, with especially with Coach O. Uh, so good to see them. Him, you know, just staying on top of it because I mean, he's got a few weeks to prepare. But this is also some prime recruiting time since pretty much all the high school seasons are over. I would think, uh, or at least maybe there's one more game. Is the uh, is the Louisiana State Championship? That's that's coming up, right? It hasn't already passed. So, so they played some uh, on Friday, this past Friday, and then they uh-huh. pl- they'll play others uh, this coming weekend. Gotcha. Well, there you it, go. There you go. But um, and uh, an LSU commit, Coy Moore, actually won the uh, won the state championship with Rummel, uh, the Rummel Raiders. So shout out to Rummel. Shout out to Coy Moore. Um, he's a uh, what a three star? Is he a three star or four star wide receiver from? He's a four star wide receiver in yeah. that group uh, that we're getting this year. Mm-hmm. Right on. I'm sure there'll be some more news between now and uh, National Signing Day, but also maybe even before, you know, before the playoffs start. So I guess I guess we'll see about that. Um, I don't know what what else do we have? Uh, I think we pretty much hit a part. We got to oh. a little bit for our next couple of says. What you got, Tommy? One one final thing. I'd like to congratulate our friends uh, from the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, they played a, 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 a tough season. They worked really hard. And uh, I'm just really proud of them because they're going to be making an appearance in the Citrus Bowl against the Michigan Wolverines. Woo-hoo. So good job to them. It's been a great season. And I hope that you all enjoy the Citrus Bowl because I know that's what you were working for. Yeah, both teams worked really hard this year. Can't wait to see Harbaugh and uh, Nick Saban doing the pregame press conference in the uh, the Orlando Chili's. You can see them there. Uh, they might tr- take a trip, uh, go check out Mickey Mouse. Um, yeah, maybe I'm they'll sure. go to Disney World all together. 
Um, that would be kind of fun. So you know, very thrilling for both those teams, exactly what they were gunning for at the start of the season. So uh, way to wrap it up, boys. Nick Saban yeah, always you know. always likes to talk about trusting the process. So I'm glad that um, I'm glad that the Alabama players trusted the process all the way to the Citrus Bowl because I know that's what they had on their minds. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think most teams start start the year with the Citrus Bowl on their calendars. Uh, so you know, mission accomplished. I think. Uh, but I don't know. Is there any other? Um, are there any other bowl game matchups that uh, that are kind of appealing to you that you think you'll watch? I think Georgia versus Baylor could be okay. I think Wisconsin versus Oregon could be fun. Um, I don't know. I think uh, Memphis versus Penn State could, like, if Memphis won that, that could just further expose, you know. This, this schedule that Ohio State kept touting. But uh, I don't know. Do you guys have any other games that uh, that seem interesting? Uh, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess after the ones I named. Yeah, I uh, think the, the Rose Bowl is going to be good. Oregon actually made a good case for them as, I mean, not as, not necessarily better than Oregon. Or Oregon better than Oregon. Oregon better than Oklahoma for that last spot. But obviously they had two losses, so they didn't really have a chance. But they look like a good team, so they'll play that one, and it'll be fun to watch. Uh, obviously, I'll be checking out my two-lane green wave and the Armed Forces Bowl against Southern Miss, and then just a, a few others um, as well. Uh, it's kind of sad, the mighty Notre Dame facing off against Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl, also in Orlando. Orlando pulling in all the <laughs> top-tier teams, um, so that could be one to check out. Uh, and then Utah kind of got snubbed. They went from playoff hopeful to playing against Texas, I think, in the Alamo Bowl. So we'll kind of see who's the battle of the, the motivated teams there. Could be a inglorious end to Sam Ellinger's college career. So mm-hmm. some some notes. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I think one I'm looking at is the Outback Bowl, uh, Minnesota versus Auburn. Uh, first of all, just because, you know, Auburn's been a good team. I've enjoyed watching them. But more importantly, uh, I think that I think the SEC has a good chance to, to win this game in Auburn, and anytime the SEC wins the uh, Outback Bowl, all of us at home get a free blooming onion. So uh, that's always a good thing. I, I, you know, we can't we can't uh, hate on Outback for giving us a free blooming onion. Whenever the uh, whenever the Big Ten team wins, they give us free coconut shrimp. I never partake in that. I'm not Ooh. a fan. Um, so. You know, for all our fans out there, I'd say just uh, you know start breaking down your film and rooting for Auburn because uh, I mean, Lord knows I want that uh, I want that blooming onion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, there's actually a few matchups um, with SEC and Big Ten, so I, I don't know. Depending on how this bowl season goes, someone's going to have some bragging rights. You got Michigan, Alabama, Minnesota, Auburn, Tennessee, Indiana. I I think that might be it unless you know LSU faces uh, Ohio State, but uh, other than that, that's I mean I know some of these are obviously they're the the, the conferences are, are pre-selected, but uh, still uh, could could be some some good football, some good bragging rights on the line here. Uh, but yeah, this all gets I think the first bowl games December twentieth, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, any any other final thoughts before we we head out and enjoy this win and this playoff seating? I don't think so. I think just you know book your tickets for Atlanta. We'll all see you there, and uh, you know, and I guess also book your tickets for New York because that's what's coming up next weekend. Yeah, we didn't even that's touch on great. that. So uh, 
check your TV. They're going to announce the candidates tomorrow. Well, I say tomorrow. Tomorrow's worst recording on Sunday. They'll announce the candidates on Monday. Joe Burrow will surely be in there and will, in all likelihood, hoist that trophy Saturday. So everybody take a watch. It's been 61 years since we had a Heisman winner, which is pretty crazy to say. So just a momentous occasion for the LSU program and family. And congratulations to Joe on just an incredible season and the rest of the players as well. So we'll we'll be ramping up all the news and hype for the playoff coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and uh, Daniel, you need, to, you need to ramp up your Sharpie, my friend, because you're going to have to have to get, get that, that big. Yeah. Uh, this what what a bittersweet moment that's going to be for you, but uh, probably more sweet than bitter, I would imagine. Um, uh, yeah, so we can we can get dip into some more stuff. We'll have that that Heisman uh, coronation next weekend to talk about. Uh, the only thing other than that I wanted to mention was uh, you know LSU basketball is rolling along here. They finally got their first uh, hundred point game in the Will Wade era. I mean, LSU beat Northwestern State, uh, albeit, but they won 109-59. to Just wanted to give a, a shout-out to the, the Tigers basketball team for, uh, for a great win and, and cracking the 100-point mark for the first time since Will Wade's been coached. So uh, kudos to them. And I think after, after saying that, that'll pretty much wrap it up for us here with Talking Tigs. Of course, tune in next week. We'll have Heisman Heisman talk to uh, to go over any other news that's come out. Maybe some recruiting. Maybe something otherwise. I'm I'm sure it's going to be uh, crazy with the you know with all the the coaching changes that are about to take place. I know uh, Lane Kiffin is already going to Ole Miss. Uh, we knew about that, but we're, it's going to be interesting to see what else takes place because this is typically when all these things happen. So uh, stay tuned and keep following us, and we will keep you in the loop. Uh, and until next time, have a good week, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again on Talking Today.